IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. The 2021 NTT IndyCar Series season is over, and 24-year-old Alex Polo of Spain is the new champion. The driver of the number 10 NTT Data Honda for Chip Ganassi Racing drove with a coolness under fire that allowed him to easily clinch the championship with a fourth-place finish in Sunday's Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. Another young driver, 21-year-old Colton Herta, scored his second straight victory this season as last week's Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey winner had the best car in Sunday's race at Long Beach. His number 26 Gainbridge Honda was the fastest car in the two practice sessions on the streets of Long Beach, but a mistake in qualifications placed him 14th on the starting grid. Herta was able to race his way through the field and led 43 laps in the 85-lap race. He defeated Team Penske's Joseph Newgarden by 0.5883 of a second. Newgarden entered the race third in points, 48 behind Pelot, but finished the season second in the standings after Pato Award had trouble on the opening lap. Award entered the race 35 points behind Pelot, but didn't survive the opening lap when he was rear-ended by Ed Jones of Dale Coyne Racing with Vassar and Sullivan. Award continued in the race, but the contact from Jones damaged Award's gearbox. The gearbox conked out 19 laps later, and the young driver from Monterey, Mexico, finished 27th in the 28-car field. Newgarden contended for the victory, but Pelot ran in the top five for most of the race. In order for Newgarden to win the championship, the Team Penske driver had to win the race, and Pelot had to finish outside of the top 12. Instead, Pelot spent most of the race within two positions behind Newgarden's Chevrolet, and the 24-year-old driver from Spain had his first NTT IndyCar Series Championship within his grasp. Newgarden finished the season second in the standings, 38 points behind champion Pelot. Award dropped the third in points, 62 points behind the champion. Six-time NTT IndyCar Series champion Scott Dixon finished fourth in the standings, 68 points out. Herta, who won three races in 2021, including the past two weekends in California, finished the season fifth in the standings, 94 points behind Pelot. Both drivers are our special guests on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. We have an extended feature later in the show with the champion, but first, let's talk to the California kid, Colton Herta, after his first victory in the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. 
Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is the winner of the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. It's Colton Hurdo of Andretti Autosport. Colton, you grew up in Southern California dreaming of this race. What's it like to finally add your name to the list of the great winners of this event? Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, I'm glad that I was finally able to, I guess not finally, but I was able to get it done. Um, it was really disappointing after 2019. Um, you know, to come to a race, it's like the Indy 500 for me, right? Where you want to do, you you want to win. All the other races you want to win, right? But it's not a burning passion and, and feeling that like you need to win and you have all the eyes on you and stuff like I do here, maybe at Indy and stuff. So it, it feels amazing that I was able to do it, um, you know, this early in my career. Not only did you do it, you did it the hard way. You came from 14th starting position in what's normally a race where the front row, a driver from the front row wins it. What did you prove to the field? What did you prove to yourself about being able to win this race on a tough street course from 14th position? Um, yeah, it's, it is it is a place that people in the past, I guess, have said that it's hard to pass. And, um, you know, I think we kind of proved that wrong a little bit today. We had such a great car, dominant car, um, had a great strategy of we were on, you know, reds when some guys were on blacks. And obviously starting 14th helped because we had two sets of new reds. So that played a big, big factor in it, too. But I'm just happy that, that we're able to get it done. The only thing that didn't go your way this weekend was qualifying. And I know you were pretty tough on yourself the way that that played out. What was it, uh, the decision that you made by staying on the blacks longer than not getting in in time to do a couple of fast laps on reds? That was the one that kind of cost you a shot at the pole. Because the group was, when you look at it, fairly simple compared to the other group that had a lot of qualifying hard hitters. Um, you know, so I was trying to get by on blacks. And I still left myself enough time to do two on red, but the toe link broke, so I wasn't able to but we would have been fine to do two on red. To have the extra set of reds, though, how valuable was that oh, in the race? Um, I, yeah, I guess it did make a big difference because we were able to start on it and then undercut a lot of guys um, and, and run some quick laps on them in the second stint. So it was um, you know, very crucial for me. Back-to-back -back victories in IndyCar for the first time in your career. How important is that for you? I didn't. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. And it is true back-to-back -back weekends, so back-to-back -back victories. Um, I'm consuming a lot of tacos lately. I love it. Yeah, well, not only that, but both back-to-back -back victories happened in your home state of California, which makes it even more special with your nickname as the California Kid. Uh, yeah, I love that. Um, you know, I'm able to do good here. There's two tracks that, that we've been good at, so I'm really happy about that. And, um, yeah, just got to keep climbing. We have great cars. Um, can't wait for next year. Sad that it's over. Um, you know, I wish we still had a few more rounds, but, um, yeah, can't wait for next year. I believe you told the story earlier about your first, uh, you know, when you were just two months old, the, the uh, Long Beach Grand Prix, how big it was, and you weren't able to come because you were so young. Is that the way the story went? Yeah. Um, you know, the Long Beach Grand Prix was my first race that I was able to go to. Yes. Um, you know, I was two weeks old. Being from Santa Clarita, I was obviously living in Santa Clarita at the time. Um, and this is the only time that my dad got a bus for out here so I could come. I had somewhere to nap and stuff. Um, and that was, you know, the the first race I was able to go to because I wasn't able to fly anywhere and, and do anything for the next few months. So, um, yeah, it's little, it's cool that I was able to do that and super happy with, with the outcome of today. 
What's the first Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach that you remember coming to? Um, I, I fully remember, like, remember a lot about the race. It'd probably be 2011 when Ryan won. Um, you know, I remember spikes of stuff before, you know, but... Yeah, yeah. I, I missed a lot of like 2004, 2005, stuff like that. Um, so, yeah. If you're going to be able to celebrate a race victory for the longest time, it's the last race of the year because you've got <laughs> now right. to all the way till February. Uh -huh. I remember this. And it's similar to what you did in 2019 when you won at Monterey. You had all off season to remember it. How cool is that when you've got the whole off season, you don't have to worry about getting ready for another race and you can say, nobody beat me in that last race. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Um, I'm going to Vegas tonight, so I'll definitely enjoy the off season, uh, tonight. And also just, uh, the family and friends that were here. I mean, you get a lot of support, a lot of cheers, you know, the herd of families, a big name here in Southern California at Long Beach. How cool is that? Yeah, yeah, it means a lot to have everybody out here. You know, a lot of friends and a lot of family, um, a lot more than 2019. So, um, you know, I was really happy with, with the outcome. You know, I, coming into today, I would never imagine that we won, but we did. And wrapping up here with Colton Hurd, a winner of the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. The next step is a Indianapolis 500 victory and a championship. How prepared do you believe you'll the team will be for that in 2022? Um, you know, I think... I think after this, you're right. Like, we, we just need to put the ingredients together. We have the best qualifying average. Um, you know, I guess we're tied for most polls this year, tied for most wins this year. Um, we have the speech just about putting those, those, I guess, those little mishaps together. Colton Hurd, a winner of the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. Congratulations on the big win. Congratulations on going back-to-back -back in the NTT IndyCar Series. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. 
Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. And now let's meet the champion, Alex Pillow of Chip Ganassi Racing in this in-depth interview with Pit Pass Indy the morning after he won the 2021 NTT IndyCar Series Championship. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is the champion. It's Alex Pillow, Chip Ganassi Racing, driver of the number 10 NTT Data Honda. Alex, first of all, how does it feel to be called the champion? Feels amazing. Um, I cannot really believe it yet. Um, I think I can believe it a bit more than yesterday, but uh, just it's awesome. It feels amazing. Um, we did uh, such a good year, and it's been it's been hard, but it's been so good. Um, and I'm a bit sad that the season ended, but uh, we ended on a high. Yesterday was a good day. Um, we had a good race at Long Beach. Started P10 and. And being uh, conservative, on the conservative side, we still made it up to P4, uh, which is a great result. So um, super happy and cannot wait for next year. You seem to be the one driver out of the championship group that didn't really have a moment where the pressure got to you or you got overly anxious. I know that the one of the road course races in August at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway was one of your worst results, but you didn't let that get you down. And do you see that as being the key to why you were able to put together a championship season in just your second year in IndyCar? Yeah, I don't think it was an easy year with those uh, engine penalties. And um, yeah, uh, we had an engine failure when, when we were, we were going to have a, a really good result on Indy Road Course. We thought we were going to have a good race at Gateway and suddenly we got... Uh, involved in an accident so um yeah we had some bad moments but um that made us more hungry to 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 win this championship so not only me but all the team did a tremendous job on uh staying um mentally focused on on the goal we had one of the good moments was winning your very first race with chip canassi racing in the season opener the barber motorsports park how important was getting a victory to starting off the season for a championship. Well, that was amazing and um, that's not easy. I think it's super hard to win the first race of the season, especially when you move um, into a new team and you need to work with uh, new people. Um, you, you cannot go really at 100% um, because, yeah, I still wasn't confident enough with the car, but uh, we made it work. It was it was amazing to, to start with Chip Ganassi uh, winning. And and we did a good race. Like we had to save fuel against Willpower and and Dixon, and it was not not an easy race. But uh, I think that gave me a lot of confidence to carry on uh, a lot of momentum as well uh, all the season. There must be something to getting a victory in the first race of the season because it's happened the last two years. Scott Dixon won the first three races last year. That helped him get a sixth NTT IndyCar Series championship. What is it about a fast start that provides the momentum? Is it a confidence thing or does it really help all the guys on the crew believe that, uh, you know, they're off to a good start, just keep the process going? Yeah, I, I think that helps everybody. Um, you keep some momentum. I think also Joseph in in 19 won the first one at St. Pete and, and kept uh, on winning that championship. So, yeah, there's 
um, some momentum that you carry from the first race to all the all the season. Um, but I don't think that not winning the first one, yeah, takes everything away from uh, winning the championship. But yeah, um, gave a lot of confidence in myself and in a lot of energy in the team. And, and we kept it going until the end of, of the season. You're the first driver 25 and under to win an IndyCar Series championship since Scott Dixon in 2003. We've been talking about a youth movement for quite a few seasons now, but now we're really seeing it on a championship level. How do you describe that? How important is that? We've got a lot of great young talent in the series, and these are going to be the drivers that are going to be the next era of stars and legends. Yeah, I, yeah, I think there's, uh, well, there's a lot of uh, good drivers out there. Uh, Pato, we've been battling until uh, last laps here. Um, at Long Beach this year, but Colton, it's been uh, he won three races this year, so he's been um, really good um, this year, and and he's gonna be even better next year. So it's gonna be tough to beat them. Hopefully, one day they they go to Formula One and they can leave me alone here. I would be happy with that, but uh, and I will be cheering for them um, because I I have huge respect for them. But uh, yeah, Elio won the Indy 500 this year. Um, so, uh, and Dixon was battling until the last uh, two races for this championship. So these guys are not slowing down. These guys are getting faster and it's not going to be uh, easy to, to beat them. Speaking of the Indianapolis 500, you finished just a few feet away from winning it yourself. I know you were a little disappointed after that race because it was something you badly wanted to win. But as you reflect back on the season, how do you balance out finishing so close to getting an Indy 500 victory and ending up with the Astor Cup as the champion? It's a beautiful cup. Um, I, I love it. Um, and it's amazing that uh, we won it. But uh, yeah, Indy 500 was special. Uh, we had some lows during qualifying with a crash. We we bounced it back and, and we fight it for that race. And we were, I think, two laps short of winning it. So we did... Uh, in the, um, yeah, lap until lap 198 or 97. So um, that I learned a lot fighting with Elio. We did a complete stint or even two stints fighting, um, learning from each other. And, and yeah, it, it hurt it. But I think it was maybe a good thing that I didn't win uh, this year. So how did it all begin for Alex Polo? If you could tell our listeners how you ended up getting into racing and how you built yourself into a uh, IndyCar Series champion. <laughs> uh, it's a long journey, but I uh, started with uh, a willing of having fun with my family uh, after school, during the weekends, doing some laps around small racetracks and just not wanting to be a driver, just wanting to drive and, and, and have fun. And then things got serious. I had a dream. A dream was to be in IndyCar, driving in IndyCar. And then the last part of the dream was to be a champion. So uh, we got it done, uh, not, not alone. Like I had lots of people that helped me uh, to always get one step further, uh, to move to Japan, to move from Japan uh, to here, the US, and then Chip giving me the opportunity to be part of um, one of the most successful teams in IndyCar um, and in motorsport in general and, and giving me a car and a team to win this championship. What was your first professional level 
racing? Uh, did you do a lot in carts when you were a kid? How old were you? What were some of the things you were able to accomplish way back when? Yeah, I think my first professional with contract and, and working for a big company was in go-karting. Um, I was working for a factory um, and that was when I was 12, I think, um, 12, 13. But then I moved to single seaters. Um, and I think then my first professional job was in 19 or 18 in Japan, um, when I was working for Honda and yeah, still working for Honda. So the Japan years are very important to your racing career. What was it about that experience in Japan that really helped you? develop into the driver that you are now? Japan was amazing personally, um, knowing a, a culture that uh, was new for me, um, getting to work with people that um, work on a different way than Europe or, or the US. But uh, professionally it was hard because um, I had to fight with people that only knew seven racetracks, um, not... 23 and they, and like me, I knew maybe 30, 50 racetracks in the world, but I didn't know every single bump or every single curb. And in Japan, they knew every single bump um, that there was in those tracks and, and the level there was amazing. So they helped me prepare and push myself uh, for, for these years in IndyCar. Culturally, what was it like being a Spaniard in Japan? Not easy, obviously. Uh, didn't speak any Japanese, a part of some racing words that I forgot. But the, the culture itself, they are really welcoming um, everybody. They try to help you as much as possible. And, and they, yeah, they, they make you feel like you are at home without being at home. So um, personally, I think I grew up a lot. Um, I had, with two years, I had maybe 10 years of life experience. How old were you when you first got to Japan? When I first got to Japan, I think I was 20, 20 or 19. And I remember, yeah, I just took a flight to Japan. I was talking with um, a Japanese team in F3 there. They, they picked me up at the airport. The guy didn't speak any English. He just said, Alex. And I said, yes. He said, okay, hotel. <laughs> drive hotel. And I was, okay, yeah, let's drive to the hotel. And then suddenly he said, okay, I'll pick you up tomorrow at 5 a.m. in the morning. I was like, what? 5 a.m. in the morning? Like, no way. I wake up like at 8 or 7 maximum. He was like, yeah, yeah, we need long drive, long drive. I was like, okay. So yeah, I had, I spent like almost a full day in a car with a Japanese that didn't speak any English. And I was like, okay, that's, that's the thing we're doing now. What did you do in your idle time? Because there is such a language barrier. It's, you can go to some European countries and figure it out. Even without knowing Spanish fluently, you can figure certain words, what they mean. Same with English. In Japan, it's a completely different type of calligraphy. How were you able to sort all that out? And what did you really do in your free time over there? Yeah, it was, uh, at the beginning, it was a bit hard. Um, then, uh, obviously... Uh, I think there was nine hours difference between Spain and Japan. So when I was awake, everybody was sleeping. When I was sleeping, everybody was awake. So I couldn't even talk uh, with my family too much. Like I tried uh, to wake up earlier and, and speak to them. Um, but yeah, it was it was not easy. I just uh, knew that I was there on a mission. I needed to win races. So I prepared myself as much as possible. Um, and then I... I, yeah, and that's what I did, just prepare and, and listen to 
and read as many things as possible from IndyCar to keep up to date and 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 knew what was happening on the other side of the world. And when you went out to have dinner or lunch, how valuable was it that you could point to the picture on the menu to get what you wanted? Oh yeah, that's true. So they they have menus uh, with pictures, which is a bit crazy. Like even if you go to a really high end restaurant, they have like pictures that they don't look really good. But at least you see the food. Like you don't need to know what. Uh, what what uh, the dishes names are. So I could at least say, hey, this, this, and, and it was fine. I have to say I enjoyed uh, a lot the food there. Uh, they have really good food all around. It's not only sushi. Um, so yeah, they, they have good food and I had lots of fun trying to pick up the best dish. I, I didn't always get what I wanted on the pictures. It looked like some other stuff, but then uh, it was fine. It was funny. Did you ever find paella? In Japan. I did. Like they, obviously the Japanese, they thought that the best idea was to take a Spanish guy to eat Spanish dishes in Japan, which it's totally the worst idea you could have because I mean, yeah, they got me a paella, but it was like so small. Like it was, yeah, just, it could fit in my, on my hand and it was not tasting really well because it was uh, Japanese rice. So it was not like uh, normal rice. So it was fine. It was a memory that uh, it will stay for me for with me forever. And yeah, I know that paella is better to have it in Spain than Japan. So while all this is going on, how much are you paying attention to IndyCar? Because I know it was a goal that you wanted to get over here. So were you able to watch the races? I was, was there a lot able of coverage to, because of Takuma Sato? I was able to watch all the races. I was able to listen to lots of podcasts. Uh, uh, I read a lot of news and I was up to date uh, on everything that was happening. So yeah, I was up to date and I was trying to imagine that I was already here without being here. So how did Roger Yasakawa come into the picture? He was in 2019, uh, my team manager in Super GT, not Super Formula. I was doing two championships at that time. Um, and I knew he was a driver before in IndyCar. So I was like, oh, this is a golden opportunity. Let's ask Roger, hey, Roger, can we test an IndyCar? Or I was always asking, uh, asking him um, stuff about IndyCar. So I guess he realized without telling him that I needed to do IndyCar, I, I guess he realized that that was my goal and my dream. And, and then after the year, I said, hey, Roger, like I... That's my dream. I'm really happy in Japan working with you guys and with Super Formula and with Honda, but um, I want to try and get an opportunity in IndyCar. And together with Honda in Japan and together with Honda in the US and Dale Coin uh, and Team Go, they made it work. What was the role of Team Go? Who were they and how did they help you in your racing career? They started a, a team in Japan uh, and I was part of the project. Um, they had a relationship I think 20 years ago with Delcoin, um, so a long time ago, and and they were able to get in contact and made it happen. So they uh, stopped their program in Japan to support me here in the U.S. So the Delcoin years, uh, Dale's proven he's a great team owner to bring a driver that's new to the sport into it, such as yourself, such as Roman Grosjean, and give them an opportunity to be competitive. And one of the first races that a lot of people remember hearing your name up front was at Road America last year. What is it about Dale's team where he has that niche of being able to bring 
talented guys who don't have any IndyCar experience into the series and preparing them for the next step. He does a tremendous job with the resources he has. Um, he puts every effort uh, from him and from the team, everybody on the team, on the cars. And they have really fast cars, like we saw this year, last year, and we saw in the previous years. Um, and they give you opportunities to fight for, for races and, and to hopefully get um, get a bigger opportunity with a bigger team. And he, he's been a big, big part of, of, of me being here today. So um, can't thank him enough. And I hope he continues on giving opportunities and, and fighting for races. How important was that Elkhart Lake race in 2020? I think was really, really important. It was only my second race on a road course in IndyCar. Uh, we got a podium. We were fighting on track with uh, big people there. And we were um, fighting for that podium. Like we had to overtake cars on track and we did a podium with Power and Dixon. So it was like, oh yeah, it, it was not a crazy race. Like it was a completely normal race, but we just got uh, ourselves up there. So it was nice and it gave me a lot of confidence last year especially on road courses. So what was the first communication you had and how did it come to you that Chip Ganassi was interested? The first time I talked to Chip personally was uh, during the Indy 500 2020. Um, I went into him and I introduced myself just in case he didn't know who I was. Um, I wanted him to know uh, who I was and what my face was like. So... Um, yeah, I told him I wanted to drive for him one day, um, just so you never know, right? If he is looking for a driver, um, at least you need to let him know that uh, you want to drive for him one day. And the story is that I saw an interview of him um, and he was explaining how um, the only thing he has is racing and everything he, he has in mind is to win. So I said, okay, I need to drive for this guy one day. So it's, it's special for me to drive for him. And then I guess it was more part of my management team to talk with him while I was concentrated on racing. Race drivers don't get intimidated, but it was Chip Ganassi. I mean, his nickname's Mr. Big. What was it like? Uh, just, I mean, the man does carry a presence to him. What was it like when you... Oh, yeah, I was shaking. I was not, like, happy and just, like, uh, saying, hey, what up? No, no, I was like, um, hey, Chip, like, hi, I'm Alex. So, yeah, I was shaking. I remember that was maybe not the best presentation, but maybe um, it was in that moment. And I'm sure that you knew going in, the motto is Chip likes winners. So how did you sell yourself to him that, hey, I'm a winner and I'm going to be a champion? Um, I was not the winner. Um, he made me become a winner in IndyCar. But um, I knew, I, knew I, I, I could do everything in between my hands. I could put in all the work. Uh, possible to to become a winner and to become a champion. So um, I let him know that. Um, maybe not on that first talk we had, um, but yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, he he saw I could put all the work uh, to become a champion one day. We now know the backstory how you got the chip, but once you got there, when did you realize I've got everything I need to win races, and win a championship? First day I walked into the shop and everybody, even the person at the front desk, 
knew that we were there to win. And I was like, wow, this, the, the, the energy in this place and the energy from these people, it's, it's uh, on another level. Um, everybody just won a championship, but everybody just was working to win another one. And that's what got us here today. So uh, since day one. The key to your championship, or at least the comeback, was obviously Portland. And the fact that you were able to take what could have been a bad situation and it came right back into your lap, did you almost feel like it's destined that I'm going to win this title? I felt before Portland that it was going to be tough because I knew that uh, both Paro, Joseph, and also Scott race at Portland, race at Laguna, they all won in those places, at least in Indy Lights for Pato. So he actually won the Indy Lights Championship in Portland. So, man, I knew he, he had something special there. We tested with him together at Portland and he was faster than us. So um, I knew it was not going to be easy. But, um, but yeah, I knew I had three weeks to prepare myself and to prepare the team for that. And we made it happen. But it was such a dramatic swing in points. And it wasn't that Pato was having a bad race because he led the most laps, I believe, in that race. And it just so happened to be the way the pits fell, the yellows, the yellows fell, that he was on the wrong side of it. But in some ways, yesterday, we realized early, you're going to win the championship. The only question at that point was who was going to finish second in the title. Do you kind of miss the fact that you didn't have that battle with Pato all the way to the end of the race to fight it out? Absolutely. And I, I was... Really disappointed. I, I know it sounds weird, but I was disappointed to see him uh, get involved on that crash, uh, especially because it was not none of his fault. And I think somebody that is not fighting for the championship should take care of somebody that is it's on the championship fight. Um, so, yeah, disappointing. I wanted to fight with him. I know I can trust him 100% on a championship fight, a non-track fight. He is going to give it all, but he's going to take care of me, and he knows I'm going to take care of him. So um, I know we're going to fight a lot more in the future uh, on track, so um, we'll get another opportunity. So how did you celebrate? Yesterday I I was celebrating with uh, IndyCar crew um, until really late night because uh, we were doing all photo shoots and stuff. Um, I think I took my suit off at like 7 p.m. So it was it was a long day. And then we went on dinner with uh, the NTT Data uh, crew. So it was it was a great night. They, the, the boss even had some tequila shots with us. So it was a fun night. And um, yeah, I had, I had my part of my family there as well. Did you wake up the morning after and say... Did that just happen? Uh, it was hard for me to wake up, but my girlfriend said, hey, we we need to wake up because we have uh, an interview at 7.30 a.m. And do you remember we just won the, the IndyCar championship? And I said, yeah, let me sleep a bit more. But yeah, it was, it was uh, quite nice to wake up like that. From here on out, you can call him an NTT IndyCar Series champion, Alex Pelot, driver of the number 10 NTT Data Honda for Chip Ganassi Racing. Congratulations on winning the championship, and thank you for joining us today and telling us all about it on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you so much for having me once again. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy. 
We want to thank Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach race winner Colton Hurd of Andretti Autosport and the 2021 NTT IndyCar Series champion Alex Pillow of Chip Ganassi Racing for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. The season may be over and the championship decided, but Pit Pass Indy will continue to race forward in the offseason with more in-depth interviews featuring the biggest names in the NTT IndyCar series. So please be sure to continue to tune into Pit Pass Indy. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin. And final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.